Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right. Well, another podcast week. Um, I'm really excited today and want to welcome uh, another male guest onto the show. Chris Mene is here. We met through a Facebook community, through actually a health and wellness community. And um, if anyone listening listened to the episode with Adam Bauer, um, who also responded to a similar call that I put out, um, I sent Chris a Facebook message and I said, hey, Chris, <laughs> I noticed you're one of my seemingly, I don't know if I use these words, but I'm just going to paraphrase, seemingly progressive, open-minded, liberal Facebook friends. And I started this podcast for people who've been touched by abortion. Might you, might it be a resource you could find helpful for people you know and love? Or if you're really brave, would you be interested in joining me um, over the course of the year? I'm going to have a few male guests on the show. And I was so blown away by how many people responded yes. I actually stopped sending messages to men because I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> they're so ready to have this conversation, which is amazing. I just don't need like 20 male guests on my show. So Chris, thank you for responding so quickly actually to that message and so lovingly and so openly. And here you are. It was a, uh, a nice eye-opening experience to receive your invitation and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, is there anything, I'm going to get us started with something that came up for me in this past week. Um, Chris and I are recording, oh, I feel like I should even know, but um, in, in really the thick of the act, like what's come after George Floyd's murder. So we are really very much a changing and growing and heated nation right now, um, facing things that we've been ignoring for a long time. So something came up last week for me that I just thought, oh, this is the perfect transition. This is the perfect introduction to a conversation I want to have with Chris, which is essentially a conversation I want to have with some men. Um, so thank you for that. Is there anything you want to share about yourself or being here before I get started? Uh, yeah, I imagine we'll get to the questions about my history with pregnancy and ending yeah. a pregnancy and also a choice point about keeping a pregnancy. Um, but that I'm, I'm very passionate about this topic in regard to, uh, relationship in general. Mm. Um, the nature of my of, of my work is is around relationships as a transpersonal psychotherapist and um, and I notice a lot of times this whole 
sexuality and pregnancy piece doesn't really get connected a lot. Yeah. The, the, with all the choices we have um, in the modern world of um, birth control and, and even choosing how to continue with pregnancies, this, uh, um, it's something that I sense rather than being a buzzkill or a bummer in, in a, in a intimate or sexual love relationship can actually bring people closer. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And yes, you're right. I'm sure it will, this will come up again and I'm sure more parts of your story will come up again. Um, but let me just ask you the question and the lead in is what came up for me last week. So, um, the last podcast I recorded with a guest was literally like the Monday after things really started being exposed um, in this current event. And I was, I was a bit of a frenzied mess. <laughs> I really was. I was a mess. Mm. And um, my guest um, was so delightful and so lovely and kept me grounded and had so much wisdom to share. But I'm hoping that I, I don't feel as frenzied a mess. So I'm, I'm glad to have this conversation with you. Um, but what, what um, inspired me last week to have this conversation with you is I was reading a Facebook post from Catherine Newman. Some of my listeners may know her work. She's a lot of writing. Um, she's written some amazing books. She speaks a lot to parenting and like health and just like family life. She's a really beautiful, incredible person. And she kind of posed the question around white fragility and, um, and this, this place that a lot of white people have found ourselves in, which is like, we're hearing some messages asking us to stand up and, and do the work and be the change. And it's our turn and we have to fix this. And then there's some messages um, from people of color saying, stop talking, let us take the stage, do the work. Now, we could have a whole conversation about all of that and the nuances in it, but I want to just move into how this related for me and the abortion work. Because I replied to her, and I'm just going to read my response because I, you know, I'd definitely been feeling it and finding my own voice in the movement. And at one point I said to myself, okay, who am I and what is the work that I do? I speak to abortion and reproductive justice. So what I wrote to her in her comment was, I've been in this too, I've been in this thought pattern. I said, I'm an advocate for mental health after abortion. I asked myself last night, how do I want men to show up in regards to abortion. Maybe that gives me insight as to how I can show up into racism. My answer was eye-opening. I want men to take some responsibility and speak up for their half of a pregnancy. And I want them to close their mouths and let women take care of their own bodies. Whoa, no wonder I'm confused right now, <laughs> right? Is this like, I realize the parallel is slightly vague, but very similar in this concept of like, there's this population of people, what do I want them to do? How do I want them to show up as a woman? And right before we actually got on the call, 
So what happened after I posted that comment is that a woman, a friend of Catherine's, wrote, you want men to shut up toward you and speak toward each other. Makes perfect sense. And I went, whoa. <laughs> now, I hope that you don't take offense to her language, but the idea here is that in the parallel, what I do want from men, and I'm speaking as like a woman who's been through it, right? I want men to come together and have these conversations, yes, with us, but also with each other, right? Like, I want you and your buddies to get together and say, how do we support women? How do we support reproductive justice? How do we support our relationships, like you said, with this piece of the puzzle? And so it was very eye-opening for me. It was so obvious as soon as she said it, and it maybe not be ob obvious to listeners, but as soon as she said it, it clicked in me, and I thought, of course that's what I want, and that's how I should be showing up now. I need to be having these conversations about race with my white friends. And yes, I need to be speaking up and contributing and donating and spotlighting um, the voices of color, but the deepest work that needs to be done is for me to be talking to my white friends and going like, what do we do? How do we fix this? How do we learn? What do we need to, how do, how do we wanna show up um, in ways that we've been ignoring? So, I got a little emotional right before we got on because I read that woman's comment and I didn't actually look at her name, but I just looked at her name while Chris was on video with me and her name is Grace. And I, Chris, you may or may not know that I identify my abortion baby as Grace. That's what I've sort of named her and titled her. That's how I talked to her, baby Grace. And I was like, whoa. Of course her name is Grace. Of course this woman who replied has the name Grace. So that was kind of a cool moment I just noticed. But now I want to let you speak to any questions you have for me about that and what it brought up for you um, when I shared. So there's no shortage of um, points you brought up here. The, the one that, that really comes out is something that maybe you didn't say directly, mm. but it's what's, what's the subcontext that's not being examined? Mm. What's the um, assumption that, let's say, men... Well, I'll speak to that because that's where you're bringing this to some degree by having me here. But <clears throat> what's the assumption or subcontext or unexamined perspective that men may have around abortion and women where the curtain needs to be ripped back? Mm. Oh, not, yeah. Not like in a, not in a intrusive or or um, or a way that's disrespectful, but that's needed mm. in regard to this parallel that you bring up with um, racism and the country being in a hidden, um, examining the, these hidden narratives 
Well, not, they're not even, some of them are hidden. They're known and they're hidden, but there's others below that that are completely unexamined. Yeah. And so this event, right, with George Floyd and, and everything that, that it illuminates, there's, there's, of course, things that are known that aren't being talked about. Then there's also, it, it lights up, if we pull the curtain back, what else isn't being even seen here mm. um and so there are there are spectacular parallels in regard to like shall we say something that's painful that we live with all the time mm -hmm. in a way like this systemic racism and the extreme inequalities in our society that we just sort of take for granted and um it's sort of like, you know, breathing a little bit of dust in the air and we don't notice it until we can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Which is what I just said mm. there. I can't out of nowhere. Um and then or the or the experience of an an unexpected pregnancy and what to do about that and how it immediately opens up all these unexamined narratives, both ones that are hidden and ones that we haven't even considered. Mm. So that's, I see that as being a, an enormous parallel as far as how much, shall we say, I imagine a number of your listeners, if not most of them, work on their self-awareness and even their consciousness or spiritual work to, to always ask that question, what am I not seeing? Mm. And what here is actually running the show? The couple that goes along, happy-go-lucky, whether they just met each other, or it's a relationship of convenience or ease, and then boom, there's a pregnancy. Or it could be a, an established long-term intimate relationship or a marriage where there's a lifestyle that it's just, it's just me and you and you and me, and oh, oh, oh my gosh, there's a pregnancy. Well, what do we do? And it's like, not that we want to burden our relationship with the possibility of speaking to pregnancy, but it's, you know what, if we're honest with ourselves, it's always there. Right. It's always <laughs> been there. Yeah. So, so there's a paradox of like, why don't we engage around that and actually be present with it and then see what happens. And this is, I sense, is the big parallel you're speaking to, which is really powerful about this hidden or even like hidden being like we know the narrative's there but we don't talk about it mm -hmm. because or or we go below the hidden narrative what's unexamined yes racism's always there but it takes it takes a you know a, you know an f asterisk asterisk murder to illuminate the hidden narrative and then we mm. go this and then to illuminate the narrative how could I be so blind? Why is this even happening? How can I just go through my whole life sharing a country, you know, with 30% of the population that's disenfranchised and, you know, one in 1,000 black men will die at the hands of police? How can I just go on like that's always fine right. when it's always there? Or how can I be in a relationship mm. that's sexual and whether it's a, rela a new relationship where there's excitement or you're getting more engaged with each other's existence and becoming part of each other's lives or moving into commitment or even marriage, 
and to be ignoring the fact that you are sexual creatures that can conceive, even if you're taking all the so-called you know precautions, and and that's not to me that's not being that's not being with the unexamined narrative, and then and that also opens up the piece of like you know. Okay, so maybe if we are with the unexamined narrative, do we even want to have the conversation about then what will, okay, so we could get pregnant. Then this would be the, this would be the, the unexamined narrative of like, okay, so there is inequality and racism. So then what do we do about the violence with the racism? Or what do we actually do if a pregnancy happens? Yeah, yeah. My sense of that, because my history with, with this is very significant in a way because as a teenager, the very first sexual partner I had, I was 16, was resulted in a pregnancy. Mm. So, um, and it informed, fortunately, you know, we, we are still in touch and, and we have very different lives. Um, no negative fallout as relationships have changed over the years. This is a long time ago. Um, but that is that informed every relationship I was in since then. For sure. Around, around what 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 to do about looking at a potential partner or someone that I am early relationship with that yes, a pregnancy could occur here. Mm-hmm. That's something that I I like to be in conversation with or bring attention to early on. And, um, and then at, at, at least to have attention on that, I trust that when there's attention on something that eventually it can be opened up more in its own, in its own terms, in its own time. And then, um, but yeah, there's still this piece of like, oh, well, hopefully that won't happen to us as a couple. And then when it does, can we have that, actually have that encounter with that high end yeah. impact piece? So, um, wow. yeah, I really, really see the parallel, <laughs> I really see the parallels how, how we try and be comfortable with the elephants in the room all the time. Yeah, I just, the, I, you know, I wrote, um, I wrote what you said about something painful that we all live with all the time. And we don't notice it until we can't breathe. And I just circled the word breathe because yeah. it's just so fascinating to me how the world and the universe works and having, you know, everything that's going on right now coming at the, you know, still in the midst of COVID and this respiratory disease and, or not disease, virus. And, um, and this calling to human beings to stop living in this shallow space, right? Of like, it might not happen to me. I might not witness the racism. I might not get pregnant. I might not, right? Like this calling to human beings to go deeper, like stop breathing so shallow, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's time. It's time to go in further than we have been to date. And it's time to face the reality of what's beneath all this like pleasure we're seeking, you know, whether it's through our white privilege um, or through, you know, just 
ignoring the consequences of what it really means to be in a sexual relationship and, and what that can turn into. So I just like this, this piece, piece about breasts. Um, and, you know, sometimes I get a little too wacky and woo, but I, I just find it so You're, fascinating. <laughs> you can go there. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm speaking your language. Um, mm. And I just think like, I've been really thinking a lot about as we moved through the pandemic, I felt like I was being called. The lessons I was learning that I hoped other people were learning too was were to get really present and and really understand gratitude in a way that we hadn't, right? To slow down and to be with our lives. And then this came along and I was like, this is not this is not a news event and done. Like there's major work that's about to be done. Um, you know, just like COVID-19 was not the bird flu and this is not another murder that we're going to ignore. And I feel like the work this is calling us to do is to listen, right? Especially those of us who have been in privilege of some way. Um, and in, in men and abortion, I think, you know, in some ways you are at a privilege, right? Like, you know, your privilege in the sexual relationship is that you will never have to make that decision for your body, right? Like it will never be a pregnancy in your body. So I think we're all being called to like, listen to the voices um, you know, those of us who have privilege to listen to the voices that are underprivileged, that have been oppressed, that have been not heard, and then to feel and just feel like, <laughs> what does that feel like to go deeper than like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is an atrocity. This needs to be fixed. It's like, no, really feel what it all means. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with unplanned pregnancy. Like, to be in a relationship and have that conversation and to not just say like, oh, well that might happen and here's what we might do about it. To, but, but to really feel like, what would that mean for our lives? What would that mean for our relationship? What would that mean for um, our intimacy, right? Like how, how would that make us more or less intimate? All of the things. Um, but yeah, I feel like, again, like COVID, kind of broke the shallowness a little like it broke the surface level and we had to like sink a little deeper into our lives and go like are we doing the work we want to do are we showing up as the people we want to do do we live in the society we want to live in all those questions we had to think a little deeper and now it's like oh no you didn't think as deep as you thought you could like I'm going to push you to this next level um and I speak from whatever the universe, whatever you want to call it, but like, and it, you know, some people probably think I'm nuts, but oh, I just, yeah, you just really struck me with that, with that whole bit. And um, yeah, I'll let you chime in what reflections just came up for you. Sure. Yeah. One of the most significant things um, that showed up here was we're in really new territory around mm -hmm. you know whether it's the 
this virus or the sudden illumination of the, um, the magnitude of what we saw with George Floyd. And let's just, contextually, it's not that much of a reach to, to also put an, un, an unexpected pregnancy in there and what to do about it. And the, one of the things that just showed up is that 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 we if we try and think our way through it it's a good start but it'll also be limiting mm -hmm. in other words if we with you know white the ease of an relative ease and relaxation of white privilege however whatever degrees shades of of experience that may show up that if we allow ourselves to not think oh i'm going to behave this way or i'm going to do this now if we as you mentioned the word feel mm -hmm. or in the in the in the you know esoteric traditions the wisdom traditions and consciousness work it's allow yourself to experience the discomfort mm -hmm, absolutely and then the response will arise. And many times we have to be in the actual experience to get a sense of what we're gonna do. Words, <laughs> you got that. In other words, our, our, there's almost like a staged thing into being more authentic where first we're gonna experience what it's actually like in our system to consider white privilege or for a man to consider what abortion or let's just back up just a bit an unexpected pregnancy that might because if it's unexpected it lends itself to the conversation that maybe ending the pregnancy is part of the shared narrative right with the couple to some degree it's one thing to say, okay, I'm willing to experience that or to use your words, feel it, but experience it without thinking to see where the wisdom might show up. But then also to be honest with ourselves that we, that's a good sort of precursor, but we won't really know, we won't really know what we're gonna be doing until it happens. Yeah. And to give ourselves that degree of allowance not as like a, a a blank check to saying oh i don't have to deal with that now but that to have familiarized ourselves to some degree with what the the imagined or felt experience may be and then to recognize that in the moment i'm going to dedicate myself to showing up as much as i can because how i thought about it and maybe chose to experience a more real consideration of it may or may not be the same thing when it actually happens. Yeah. And yet, the, it is the conversation that allows our system to start opening to those competencies yeah. which we have in us. And the same thing with racism is to watch this video of a murder, allow ourselves to be impacted 
allow ourselves to have the experience, and then maybe say, okay, now I know what I might be doing. I'm definitely going to vote, or I'm going to send money, or I'm going to take some kind of action, or at least get into a conversation, um, or be more available. All these things I might do, but then there's also the sense of what am I going to actually do when I need to show up? Yeah. And that might be something that, that, yeah, opening ourselves to these experiential possibilities ahead of time is really potent. And also recognizing that in that moment of saying, you know, let's say if you go to a, a protest or a demonstration or a talk or, or you get confronted with something that you may not know what to do. And, 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 being, and being so impacted that you don't know what to do is actually a gateway to power. Yeah. And, 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 or, 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 or real contribution. So this is, this is huge yeah. context that you're considering here because there are all of the so-called legitimacies that we have gotten comfortable with around all the conveniences that a, that a couple most of the time has around controlling their reproductive uh, outcomes or as, as a white person, more or less wandering around, you know, floating on top of the horror of all of this. But it's right, it's right there. The, the, yeah. the legitimacy of all these comfort levels we have are really not valid if we're going to be considering that the human experience is a shared human experience. Yeah. I love and, this, um, this connection to the shakeup of an unplanned pregnancy. Because as soon as you said it, I thought back and I thought like, how many things in my life have really shooken me up, like really deeply shooken me up? Mm-hmm. And there's not many. And yeah. two of them happened in the last three months. Like the pandemic really shook me up in in a hard way, but a good way. This racism has r- this the this l- new light, this new calling from racism right now shaking me up in an incredible way and my unplanned pregnancy like you and what what came what came to me as you were talking it with this idea of you have to be in it you it's almost something you can't prepare for until Mm -hmm. you're there but I think if there is a way to possibly prepare for it as best you could, it's to feel all the other things in your life, right? To, to understand that vibration in your body and allow it, right? So if we take the emotion of the, the vibration of fear in our body, because that's what we would probably feel if we were facing police brutality right in front of us, right? We'd feel deep fear. Um, if we've practiced feeling it and we're not as scared of the feeling in our body, we're going to be able to respond and show up in that situation in a different way than if we've pushed away fear every time it's come near us, right? Mm -hmm. If we've pushed away fear, pushed away anger, pushed away grief, pushed away um, disconnection, all the feelings that we don't like, then when we're faced with a situation that's as intense as witnessing direct racism or indirect, but equally emotionally charged, 
um, or an unplanned pregnancy. And I, and I know that we keep going back on these parallels, but that's how deep it is in your body. When you're in that fear of looking at the pregnancy test in your hand, it, fear is fear in your body. It, it is a vibration. And if you have prepared by feeling it in other places in your life, you're not going to find yourself you're going to find yourself more capable of responding. Yeah. Yeah, I would say prepared is this, you know, we're sort of like splitting hairs with words here, but pre prepared is there for sure. Um, becoming familiar with the, yeah. with the, what that sensation is. And, and interestingly enough is that, you know, boy, it's, everyone has got their own exploration to do with this but there's also is the fear about is, is, it, is it about losing control of the of the more simplistic life that we've created for ourselves that turns away from not just the things that might happen that disturb us but the but our responsibilities to existence mm -hmm. Which is and, the depth that we were yeah. talking about earlier, right? Like we're so used to living at this shallow level. Uh -huh. That fear is asking us to look at the depth. It's yeah. asking us to look so much deeper than we do when we wake up and drink coffee and go to work and mm. go out to dinner with friends, right? It's like these deep emotions in, in positive and whatever that means, positive and negative vibration. Um, they're asking us to go so much deeper than we live on our day-to-day -day life. Yes, so whether, and it's all around us right now with the, you know, this, this, and, and, the, par and the, the parallels are, are really striking. It's about the loss of control in, in, in yeah. living in an environment that, basically is out of control so the illusion of control, mm -hmm. of control <laughs> that that we are that we are as in a in a sexual love relationship that we are that we don't have control mm -hmm. and, um and that to live in a society with systemic racism that let's just add you know put icing on the cake here that then we have seemingly a um the organized abuse of power that reinforces that um yeah you when you said illusion of control and it, it, in terms of the racism conversation even more it's this illusion of power right yes and, right yeah. yeah and this misuse of power even unconsciously yeah even on right just to yep. stay in yeah yeah which, which which i mean in my sense i mean i I am, you know, all for choice, and I'm also pro-child. Um, as a parent now, I, which was an unexpected pregnancy with a woman that was diagnosed as being infertile, mm. was another eye-opener, you know, later in life, just full-on pro-child, and mm. also pro-choice, and the, 
the thing that disturbs me about this, this the, 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 the reproductive justice, I find it to be very interesting that the forces that perpetuate some of the paternal aspects of society that perpetuate racism and also perpetuate the threat against women's reproductive justice is male fear. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yep. White, white, white male fear. Right. Which is the same. That's how we started the conversation, right? It's like me having that aha moment of how much I want men to get together and say, let's face our fears around this. <laughs> let's yeah. show up for the women in our lives mm. and let's change this. Let's, let's give them the justice they deserve, which, you know, again, the parallels, they're different, but very similar. And yeah, it is, it is absolutely the white male fear thing is, is big. It's a big component. It's a very yep. big component. So holy moly. Holy moly. <laughs> we unleashed some serious thought provoking uh, stuff here. Can I ask you, do you, what kinds of conversations have you had with men in your life about abortion? They're usually quite, quite abrupt and shocking. I mean, that tends to be my style with a lot of things. If I, if I sense that somebody is capable, um, that it, Whenever I hear men whining, um, especially being that um, I walked the, the walk with uh, my first partner, so to speak, teenage, teenage lover, mm -hmm. um, clinic and out and everything. And, you know, basically... Um, I'm sure I could finesse it a little bit more, but whenever men start complaining about about how picky women might be as far as whether or not they 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 want to they're trying to evaluate whether or not to um, to become intimate with a guy or whether or not they're they're taking any kind of birth control. Um, I basically just I, I'm sure you know speaking with you, I'm recognizing this probably isn't the most effective approach, but based on what I've been through, I, I just sort of say, imagine how much, you know, you enjoy sex and that every time you would be having sex that you might get pregnant. Can you grasp that? Yeah. And you probably can't because it's not in your your physical worldview and not to give a woman a pass on her, on her being picky about whether or not she wants to sleep with you or about whether whatever kind of birth control she might want to use or not use. I've always supported women in not taking the pill. It, seems, it doesn't, doesn't resonate with me mm -hmm. and just get into some other kind of protection or other kind of sexuality. And, and I, there, there's an element uh, when I engage men of like saying, just get your shit together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I mean, that voice needs to be had. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how effective it's been though. Actually. Yeah. No, but, it is interesting. And these things do need to, you know, there's sort of like a, you know, on difficult topics that where people have privilege, 
I like this phrase like pace, pace, and then yeah. challenge. Yeah. Like, you know, like get, acknowledge that worldview of that's protected and then challenge it. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of racism, I find that like, we actually went through a situation in February with my kids' school where this, this topic arose as well. And I find that like, as soon as I understood all lives matter versus black, black lives matter, it would come up and I would blast someone like a cartoon, like just like, just like throw the example at them. And then they'd, of course they'd refuse. Right, Sometimes right. they get it, but like you're saying, it didn't really work. And so I've learned through facing these conversations now is like, okay, don't just blast them with your facts. Like you got a pace, you get, you know, if someone really doesn't understand systemic racism, you got to pace your way in um, if you're going to yeah. make any progress. So you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. Yeah. And well, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to reflect on that and also witnessing me because I, I, I do recognize that's there's um, yeah, there's definitely an, a time for, for fist pounding on the table. And then there's other times to recognize, just as we're discussing here, how much of an echo chamber we get into with our own interpretations of how we see right. the world. Yeah, for sure. And those interpretations that they, they, they help us be comfortable with, you know, the, the, with the harshness of reality. Yeah. And to allow those to be, you know, sort of taken down a little bit at a time. Uh, but yeah, that's how Can I I've ask. Got um, you know, you are a little bit older than me. Are your kids, how old, do you have one? Can I ask one. about your children? You have yeah. one. I want and, one. And I how mean, did you parent around this? How did you parent around um, sexuality and, you know, the reproductive choices? And fantastic. Because I actually think that this is where, where we can really make a change. Um, so our daughter, is just graduated from college mm -hmm. and right from the beginning um is that we the unexpected pregnancy happened as we as a couple as lots of couples do recognize that we weren't compatible even though again that's a relative term what is compatible what's not but um, as we were separating and going through a separation process, and we had been through some couples counseling, um, this is when the pregnancy occurred with a woman that was supposedly infertile. So, um, so we, right from the beginning, were always single parents. Okay. We, yeah. We set up um, a. Uh, we got. We worked with a developmental child psychologist, an equitable, high, very equitable, um, legal arrangement to guarantee both protection and guidance for us and a leg legacy for our daughter. Mm. And so at developmentally appropriate times, according to the best understanding that's out there, we would always answer the questions about sexuality. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. This is where we have arguably the most power in changing right the trajectory and, yep yeah and that also um that we now there's a lot of areas i have to say 
where the mother of our daughter and I, the differences that, the systemic differences that were there us, for us 20 years ago are still there. But we were very fortunate in regard to, we didn't have to work on it at all as far as like what is the most contemporary understanding based on child development to be exposed to our understanding of sexuality. And again, following the guidance that anytime a child's asked a question, and again, this takes a little bit of work, you know, rather yeah. than just, oh, I know how to do it. Um, to answer the question based on a level that they can understand it yeah. without saying anything that's not true. Right. One thing that, that, that I understood very deeply as I, and this is one of the things that got me really interested in going into psych, psychological work um, and psycho-spiritual work um, is I learned right away that if a child, no matter what's going on with a child, unless it's really threatening to them, like on a, if they're food insecure, clothing insecure, shelter insecure, but anything else that's going on, if they're being told, if the, what they're hearing matches their experience, they're fine. Yeah. They're completely cool. Yeah. yeah. The, so the this is where I get a little tripped up, like, and this is not a conversation we have time for today sure. anyway, but so many of the clients I work with and the women um, I talk to have been raised in religious um, experiences. And so these conversations, the conversations that are had as children, you know, they weren't raised the way you and I raise our children. And yeah. so there's, there's brain patterns absolutely that they then as adults or even as young adults or teenagers when they face that unplanned pregnancy they have a whole different experience that your daughter and my children will never have right right holy moly <laughs> yeah. yeah there's both there's yeah there's conditioned conditioned behavior that will that will drive shame yeah. and then there's systems that will completely take over our capacity to make really informed ethical decisions yeah the way the brain gets patterned and i will say you know now because her mom um, got remarried i don't know when she was about five or so something like that and then i've had a number of partners and both uh, both myself and her mom have been um again development developmentally appropriate very open about like this is why I'm sleeping with this person because this is what men and women do. Yeah, and for sure. I know. Being it show up in nature, the way she was schooled, everything was like she got the information at the right time. It was never denied. She got to see her mom and I respecting each other in decision making and also having sexual love relationships. And the three or four relationships she's had now, all of them she's very comfortable with her sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. I think people like you and I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying she's, I mean, she's, we've all got our insecurities, but she's not running around chasing after men. It's she's with 
men to share the experience that, that is only available with another. It's the human yeah. connection. Yeah. I just yeah. like, I'm like, well, you know, it works. Yeah. But basically not like what we did. It's, it's like we didn't condition her. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like just you and I having this conversation is such an important piece of the puzzle because, you know, changing the stigma in greater culture yes. will have an impact on all children. Yes. Um, because I know like for me, I didn't know where to go. And I was, I very liberal woman, women's studies major, spent years in birth work and I got, had an unplanned pregnancy and abortion. I had nowhere where to go. Right. I was like, right. what are my resources? And everyone looked at me like, you don't have any, good luck. So that's what I hope to do in this work and in conversations like this is just have more and more people hear, hear that it's possible to talk about abortion. It's possible to talk about reproductive health in ways that we're not used to hearing. Yes, it's possible. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe to, you know, I, I am honoring your time here too to me. And maybe to close this out is to, is to, if we're willing to be, in my experience in the work I do with like limit or crisis situations or things that are just difficult and unplanned, if we're willing to be uncomfortable over a period of time, our, I've seen time and time again, our own wisdom will arise. Oh, yes. Right? And our power really is in the present moment. Yes. If we just be willing to be uncomfortable. Yes. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. I can't thank you enough. Um, you're spot on. And so for everyone listening to just slow down and, and listen and feel into your truth because it's there. Um, and yeah. it will reveal itself to you. Um, and it will lead you. It'll lead you to conversations like this. It'll lead you to people in communities who are having more of these conversations. Um, and there are, there are ways to think about all of these hard things uh, that are not so scary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank we you have so much. Thank you. Yeah, we do have the resources. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that is a wrap for this episode. Again, I mean, I say this with most guests, we could talk for hours, <laughs> but for our listeners, um, it, we're, we're going to call it and just know that there's more. Maybe it will be another, another conversation we have. Maybe it'll be a way that they carry this conversation forward in their lives. But thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.